to my podcast. Let's go. I'm all about doing what I want to do and living life to the fullest. Every day, me and my team, we're on a mission to help you achieve all of your dreams. Welcome to my first investment property podcast, where we talk about our experience gained, wisdom learned, and the lessons learned throughout the process of real estate investment and development. I'm Edwin Carrion, the creator of my first investment property podcast. Stay on after the show, and I'll share how you can be the next guest on one of the fastest growing podcasts in our industry. With that being said, let's get started. Hey, super excited to be back in another episode today talking about all things real estate, real estate investing. And our guests today are from Park Avenue Capital. I've got Chris Parmerloo and Colin Schwartz joining us. So, hey, welcome to the show today, guys. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having us, Doug. So super excited to drill down into what you guys do and how you are different and how you help your clients invest wisely. But before we get into that, why don't you just share a little bit of your background uh, for each of you and uh, kind of, you know, give our audience a picture of what your company does. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, thanks for having us on. I appreciate it. Um, so I was born and raised in the Omaha, Nebraska area, went to school here Um uh, went to college in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Then I went to law school, became an attorney, uh, served for a couple of years in the military. And then in 2013 is when I started not only practicing law, but that's also when I started uh, investing in, in real estate. So uh, I did both of those that first year. Um, I married uh, two, two kids. And uh, I guess the reason I started, I got in real estate really is because in 2013, um, you know, even though I had that job as an attorney and I was earning money and it was I was doing what I went to school for, I, I realized very quickly that I I would have to keep working extremely long hours uh, just to earn money. And there was not that passive income opportunity. So yeah, the W-2 is not really favorable for taxes. No, for yeah. taxes. That's that's another huge benefit is not getting out of that. But I mean, yeah. also just the ability that, you know, when I, 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 I wasn't, I didn't like trading my minutes for money. And so that's when I started real, uh, investing in 2013. And, um, yeah, cool. that's kind of that kind of brought me into real estate there. And you just started in Omaha because that's where Buffett is, and that's a good place to start planting your roots, right? That's a great place. <laughs> How about you, Colin? Uh, yeah, so for all intents and purposes, uh, from New Mexico, graduated from the University of New Mexico, moved out to Omaha, Nebraska in 2007, worked at a grocery chain, started managing that, um, met my wife, finished my MBA, Moved on to the the everybody's dream, the nine to five. I went working retail hours Monday through Sunday, eighty hours a week, and I got a desk job, nine to five, nice salary, you know, six figures. Life was good, um, and then started educating myself in two thousand seventeen, basically around January first. I knew there's always something else out there. Want to be an entrepreneur, but I. I there's not a lot out there that kind of pushes you in the right direction, especially when you're at a nine to five with people that have been doing it for 30, 40 years. There's not a lot of entrepreneurs in there outside of maybe selling uh, some Mary Kay or some AdvoCare. Yeah. They're not going, Hey, uh, I think supplements. you should quit your job and do something else, Chris. I think, you know, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So um, yeah. So started getting into multifamily real estate quickly realized that this is going to kind of be the, the gateway out realized that I could leverage, you know, equity in my home, um, as well as some savings, 401k, and 
what we kind of touched on was the tax benefits. I was paying a lot of taxes. So at the end of the year, I really wasn't making much, you know, becoming a real estate investor and a real estate professional doing it full time. We're not paying taxes. We're paying property taxes. We pay taxes in a lot of different ways for personal income taxes. If you're paying those, you're you're doing it wrong or you're making a buttload of money and selling everything. So yeah, realized that was one of the big advantages. Started a property management company and Chris and I met and yeah, started our uh, syndication uh, joint venture uh, multifamily business. So then fast forward to today. So like you said, you've got a syndication um, by looking at your website and your social, it looks like you guys are managing just uh, just around $50 million US uh, worth of investment. <clears throat> so, you know, what is the company about and what is it you're uh, trying to achieve for your clients? And I think we kind of highlighted in, in, in our upbringing or at least our background, I guess, is just the ability to obtain, you know, passive cash flow. And so we invest for income. Okay. So there are many syndicators and or joint venture uh, real estate investors that will invest for, okay, income's great, but they really like that uh, appreciating it. And then that, that shiny object at the end, which is to sell it and make some money. House flippers, apartment flippers, basically are syndicators. Uh, many syndicators, they'll, they'll buy it low, they fix it up, they sell it, they make a good check, but then they're done. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, people have made great money doing that. But uh, we learned on a small level. I was doing single family home stuff, two, three, four units, same with Colin. And that's great. And we did this so we could get passive income. But the reason we're different is that when we're investing in these larger complexes, we're taking the investors along with us. And when we don't sell, we actually refinance. We give back all the original capital. Our goal is between 90 and 100%. And now 20 times we have successfully given back 100% of the investor's capital. Um, but then they stay in on the project. Oh, okay. So they gave us 100000 They own it. They get paid quarterly cash flow. Yep. Then we refinance it two, three, four years later. They get their 100000 back, but then they keep getting quarterly cash flow. And so that's something we noticed that's different from a lot of syndicators is that they're they're cashing people out. They're either selling it or they're just cashing you out, but they stay on as the owner. And we're keeping everybody to take that ride with us. That's really cool. You're right. That's a different approach uh, for sure. Now, when you said larger projects, just for the audience, I mean, what does that what does that mean? So you said single family homes. So what does a larger project look like? Yeah. So I think the our average purchases right now are between two and six, two and six million. Okay. Um, so, so really where I think that, sorry to interrupt Chris, really where I think that's kind of the sweet spot We're we're kind of finding these assets that are, um, oftentimes too large for, you know, a single investor, I don't want to say less sophisticated, but less sophisticated investors, maybe just a doctor, you know, has some extra capital Yeah, buying an asset that big is really taking a large swath of their, you know, personal savings, but we're also, you know, look, focusing on assets that are smaller than what a REIT would purchase. So we're still able to find these assets. And maybe they were originally purchased by a mom and pop. One of them that we are closing on in about a week or two, that's the first week of December. So we'll probably have closed by the time this is out. Um, the gentleman's owned it for 27 years mm. and, and he's a single owner. It was him and his dad. Uh, so it was a family project. So he's obviously seen a lot of appreciation, uh, has a lot of debt pay down. Um, but we're able to find these assets that have, you know, that rent increases are largely behind, have been well taken care of, um, and that are primarily in the Midwest, about 300 miles from Omaha, Nebraska. So for your listeners, the home of Warren Buffett, um, 
but that that's typically our footprint because we are not, as Chris alluded to, we're not looking for appreciation because the market's good and everybody has good sentiments and good good fuzzies. We are looking for appreciation because it's we are forcing it through whether it's rent increases, reducing expenses, or in a down market from 2008. What we noticed in Omaha is things stayed flat. Um, right. You know, is that is that ideal? Do we want numbers to go up? Of course we do, but we didn't take a 50 percent hit like lots of the coastal areas. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at your website. The one, the uh, one project is 72 units. So, to your point, uh, I guess the question is, you know, why would someone, you know, partner with you and invest with you opposed to going on their own? Well, there's probably not many people out there that have a a, a, law, a knowledge base and the capital to go buy 72 units. Yeah, and and you know, one way to explain that is is that um, you know, I, I had it took me a while to build up to that. I had four single family homes in the first four years I was doing this, and I learned a lot. But it certainly wasn't the way to accumulate cash flow quickly. But one of the things I found out, which is obviously a no-brainer now thinking back on it, is that as soon as that single-family home goes vacant, you're you're zero you're percent occupied. You're earning zero dollars. Yeah. Or let's just say for some reason it stays occupied for 20 years straight and they pay their rent every month, day one, like they're supposed to. If you have one air conditioning go out, you lose your cash flow for like three years. Like it doesn't. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem to make sense. The ability to scale and buy these 72 unit apartments makes it so that if you have four or five or six go vacant, you're still 95% occupied. And it's just that that risk mitigation is what's so important. So simple math, like like you're like you're saying, Chris, is that you had four. So if one's vacant, you've lost 25% of your cash flow. If two are vacant, you lost half, opposed right. to losing two out of 72. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And one of the biggest benefits I think that that's often overlooked is better terms. So you're getting better, typically getting better financing terms. You're getting a longer amortization period. You're getting interest only on a portion of it, but then you're able to do the cost segregation studies. So you're able to accelerate that depreciation to reduce your overall, the overall tax implications um, on a single family home. You can go around with a piece of paper notebook and you can try to do that, but you're going to be spinning your wheels um, trying to uh, accelerate that appreciation versus a larger apartment complex. So what does it look like for your investors that come to you in terms of, um, you know, what level of, um, you know, real estate knowledge do they have to have or investment knowledge do they have to have to, to work with you guys? It spans the gamut. We have investors who are actually professional investors. They literally just invest in real estate and they find people like us uh, that they trust to invest for them. Um, We also have many people who invest a large amounts of money with us and it being their first time. You know, we've talked about this before, but real estate, though, this is abundance mentality type environment here. So we're not the only ones finding seven unit apartments. There aren't a boatload of them, but there are many people that do this. You have to trust the person who's actually doing it, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's that professional investor or that first-time investor. It's their comfort level with us to run the investment. So it actually spans the gamut. It's really important that um, it also depends upon the – it's important to know that it depends upon the actual investment structure. So we have some investments where you have to be an accredited investor. Right, yep. And we have some investments that you don't have to be. So it just depends on the investment. Uh, but certainly we have investors from all walks of life. Well, and that makes sense. I've often said to people, if you ask me about, you know, where I would invest, I invest in the people, not the project. 
my 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 experience in terms of making and losing money has been you know the project can be great and if the people aren't good you're going to lose your shirt if the project sucks and the people are good they'll figure it out um and in the long term we'll make money uh, that was a much cleaner and quicker way to say it <laughs> well i mean it's it's also why i have gray hair i've, I've learned uh, <laughs> and I, I try not to make the same mistake more than three times i would like to say i only make it once but you know sometimes it takes a few times running into the wall to figure it out that's great. So what do you guys, uh, where do you guys see yourself in the next few years? I mean, uh, we're kind of in fluid times. It's kind of a weird time in the world. Um, you know, you guys are well positioned where you're at um, with, with funding. Um, what are you most excited about as you move forward? Go ahead, Colin. Yeah. So I think what we're doing is we're, I mean, currently for all of our current projects, we're, we're underwriting conservatively. We're getting long-term financing so that in three years, four years, whatever, whatever may occur, and we see a big dip in the market, et cetera, you know, cap rates compress, whatever that may be, we've positioned ourselves to be in a safe position. Um, I, I think we have done a really good job. We've started marketing ourselves um, to new investors, but also other, other general partners. So we're kind of expanding our knowledge base through them. So we're finding other partners that can help us grow as well. Um, you know, Chris and I partnered that helped us grow. We have another strong partner, uh, Stephen Sykes, who has helped us grow. He's a broker in many states and he's an investor in our projects. So that's helping us grow. Um, really, we're looking to do similar to what we have done, um, but really focus on that, you know, probably $6 million range of assets. You know, not saying we, we're looking at something that's $18 million right now. It's a it's a package. Um portfolio project that we're looking at that we also see the opportunity to add value to, but, but really continue on the same way, um, stick with our criteria, provide conservative underwriting and making sure that we're investing for cash flow. It's got to be cash flowing day one. Yeah, that, that's, that's a, that's absolute 100%. So a different, just a different kind of question. So for people who are listening to this, I mean, we all hear, we all have these voices in the back of our head as we're making decisions and we're looking and evaluating opportunities. <clears throat> and then worst of all, we have people who don't, um, aren't qualified to give us advice telling us what we should do or what we should be careful of or who we should work with, or you should do real estate, or you shouldn't do real estate. What's some of the bad advice that um, our listeners should be aware of as they're looking at this saying, hey, is this an opportunity for me? You know, when their neighbor leans over the fence and says, hey, so what would that bad advice be in terms of, you know, investing in real estate in the style that you guys do it? So I'm just going to jump in real quick because <laughs> I know, Chris, you have a lot to say on this, but I mean, I've received a lot of bad advice my, my whole life. And some of it is real estate's risky. You know, you've got a good job, go get your education, stick with this, you know, burn the next 35 years of your life and you'll have a 401k and you can retire comfortably. It, that's fine. Yeah. But it, 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 and Chris is going to mention this. If you're a guitar player, if you're an electrician, and if you love that job, keep doing that job. Absolutely. Yeah. But the uncertainties in the world are high inflation, which typically affects assets. I don't want to say pos positively, but assets, hard assets can typically, such as multifamily real estate, typically rise with that. So you're not devaluating your dollar. Um, but yeah, some of the bad advice is that it's real risky. You're going to lose your money. And it's from people that typically have never done it or have heard that their cousin did it and they invested with the the project they saw 25% returns they clicked on this link they gave somebody they never met $50,000 yeah. 
um, and they were guaranteeing that they were going to get these amazing returns without doing their due diligence. There, there are bad investments in real estate, but there's also amazing investments. And as you pointed out, Doug, it's it's investing with the people. So there's a lot of bad advice out there. And oftentimes people forget about the tax benefits and just there's just so many benefits to it that oftentimes people forget to even look at that. And th- those that are giving advice have not done their due diligence typically, or it's been through some some folklore in, in which they've heard, you know, these massive failures. And to your point, it doesn't matter how much you make, it matters how much you keep. 100%. Robert There's plenty Kiyosaki. of... That's Robert Kiyosaki quote. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, there are, I mean, we could, we, could, we could talk a very long time about all the benefits of it and why you should do it. I think the bad advice would be to listen to real estate being risky. Someone, everyone tells a story about how they know some second cousin who tried to flip a house and didn't go right or something. I mean... Sure, that's fair. Yep. But how many stories are being told out there about people losing their life savings and their retirement in the stock market? <laughs> yeah. Thousands upon thousands yeah. upon thousands. Yeah. And I'm not here to downplay either of them. In fact, we really push diversification. I mean, we dabble. We dabble in the market. We don't dabble. I, I have money in the market, uh, cryptocurrency, um, whole life insurance. I mean, we're it's important to diversify. I think the thing that I would stress, and you didn't ask me, Chris, what do you stress? You said, what are the bad advice? But what I would stress- well, There you go. That's fine. <laughs> is to diversify. Sure. I think it's yeah. really important to, to get into it. And, and, and I said earlier, but you need to invest for income because when you're putting money in the stock market, they're not paying you monthly or quarterly. Uh, you're not getting tax write-offs. Uh, you maybe if it's your 401k, if you want to max out your write-offs, but then I can't touch it until you're 63. Like I just, it's not a fair comparison. Real estate wins every time. So I'm not going to say what's better. I'm certainly going to say you need to diversify. It's important to, to give real estate a chance because you'll quickly see how, how many benefits there are. Well, and that's sound advice. I mean, I look at the, you know, the 2018 when the, or not, or 2008 rather when the market crashed. And I think the stats I had read, and feel free to correct me if I'm off base, is that the average American that lost their home just needed between $500 to $800 a month extra to keep their home. So you don't need to make 50000 a month in real estate. If you had a passive income that was $1,000 a month, that would have been the difference for people to stay in their home. And, and, and the people that would have invested for income yeah. wouldn't have had to worry about it. Yeah. And I have I have a real life example. It just happened this year. COVID hit. There are many professionals. So me as an attorney, there are many professionals that are eat what you kill, meaning we're only making money as we're working on our case. Another reason why not trading minutes for money is so important. Yeah. With COVID, uh, I'm a I'm a family law attorney, so I deal with divorces, custody. So with COVID, there were three months there where. The, the the country shut down. And this isn't a political debate. I'm saying many people were not typically seeing their attorneys for these family law cases that they typically did. So many attorneys weren't earning the money they did. Their 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 debt situation and liabilities stayed the same, but they sure. their income went down. People that weren't affected were people that just had money coming in anyway. And that's so important to stress. Yep, absolutely. Time for money. You'll never get rich. Uh, I don't care how much you save, budget, budget, budget. This is not going to happen. Right. So 
Um, any last parting words of advice? And then I want to ask you how people can connect with you and do the due diligence, get a chance to reach out, have a conversation with you, learn more about you. So any last parting words you would uh, want to share with the audience? I feel like I just talked for the last 40 minutes, but. Um, how about you, Colin? What do you, what do you, what do you want to leave our audience with before we uh, wrap it up? No, that's a good question. I mean, really picture what you want your life to be like. Um, picture what you're spending your time on now and start to goal set. See what an extra, you know, $1,000, $5,000 would do and what that frees up on your time. When you start understanding what your time is worth, whether you're doing, whether you make $40 an hour, $50, $100 an hour, if you can find ways to supplement that, basically you're gaining some of your life back. You, you are allowing yourself a vacation in essence by accumulating this passive income. You, you can look at, you know, I make a hundred bucks an hour. So I found $2,000 a month of passive income. Okay. That's 20 hours extra of life you have a month. Now multiply that over a year, 10 years, 20 years. And you look at the basic model of just having two, three, four weeks of uh, vacation time a year. And you can look at having these passive income streams that can I don't want to say exponentially, but increasingly grow your, your time, your time to do whatever you want to sit on the couch and do nothing. You want to play, you want to play with your kids. You want to hang out with your family. You want to go on vacations. You want to learn a hobby that, that that is the true understanding. It's not about the yearly salary. It's about your time, what it's worth and how you can, how you can add more time. Well, other than that being a mic drop, um, moment, uh, I, uh, I, I'll try to say it quicker, but uh, investing for income is so very important. Whether Colin already said it, but many people talk about, wouldn't it be nice to just be on the beach the rest of your life and have nothing to do because of all this income? Sure, but there are many people like Colin and I that could not just sit there for the rest of our lives and do nothing. The, uh, the income that's coming in residually, whether it's for me or even my family, if something happens to me or my children or my children's children, that money that continues to come in allows us to do, like Colin said, whatever we want. If you want to be a doctor and work 20 hours a day, you can do it. If you want to deck that down to eight hours a day, you can because you have income coming in. And that is such a different position and way to look at life. Not to mention all the time you save and you can actually spend time with family and whatnot, like Colin said. So invest for income would be my parting words. There you go. That's a great, uh, that's a great way to wrap it up. So how do you want um, our listeners to reach out, learn more about what you guys are doing, the projects you're working on and connect with you? Uh, our website's parkavinvesting.com. Uh, the name of our group is Park Ave Capital, uh, but the website's parkavinvesting.com. Park Ave Capital, you can find us on LinkedIn, um, Facebook, uh, Instagram. Uh, we have a website that offers a free report at partneringchecklist.com. That's partneringchecklist.com. It's just a, something you have an opportunity to look at that gives you an idea of what are some of these questions you should be asking people like Colin and I before you invest with them. Uh, it's important questions and things to think about before you partner with anybody in a real estate deal or perhaps most likely any deal you take on. Um, and that's another way to, to get a hold of us. Um, I don't think I missed anything else. Uh, Chris at parkavinvesting.com is my email. And then Colin's email is colin at bricktownmanagement.com. 
Well, excellent. I just want to say thank you so much for taking time out of your day and uh, sharing a little bit about what you're doing. Uh, super exciting. Um, it's it's a it's great great advice. And uh, listeners, I just I hope you enjoyed this episode. There's lots of information here to unpack. Um, both uh, Chris and Colin have left you lots of information to digest and some resources on their websites to check it out. So I'd suggest uh, spend the time. Um, you know, spend a few hours, start taking, take a look and see if this is a fit for you. So thanks for tuning in. Thank you to our guests for being so generous with their time. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yep. Thanks, Dad. I'm all about doing what I want to do and living life to the fullest. Every day, me and my team, we're on a mission to help you achieve all of your dreams. Thank you for listening to my first investment property podcast. If you're interested in sharing your story and you want to be a guest on my show, please visit my website, edwincarrion.com forward slash podcast forward slash apply. And if you like what you heard today, please follow me on my social media channels, Instagram and Facebook at edwincarrion78 or click on the link on my website. Also, please subscribe to our show on Apple, Google, Spotify, and you'll find our podcast there. Whatever you listen to your podcast. Once again, I'm Edwin Carrion. Thank you for listening to my first investment property podcast. Until next time.